Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. A circle full of Bam! And it's another Monday night. Thanks for tuning in to Giants Rush, where we talk Giants football 52 weeks of the year. I still get fired up when I see that opening. So another shout out to uh, Authentic for making that for me. Um, Guys, I know you guys tune in for our interviews and our banter every week. And of course, this week's going to be no different. We got special guest Patty Trainers in the building. We've got um, and of course, if you don't know Patty, um, of course you know her from Giants Country, which is part of Fan Nation, uh, for from Sports Illustrated. I mean, this this woman has been covering the Giants for thirty years, people. So uh, let, we're going to bring her in. We got we got uh, some off season stuff to talk about, um, and some crazy things that uh, the media has been saying about trading Jones, and it's just been one of those weeks where it's the off season, and we're generating some really cool things to talk about. Let's bring in the guys. There's Truth. What's up, Truth? What's going, Rick? How you doing, sir? Mike, you didn't start that rumor. You weren't talking to Tannenbaum no. somehow during the week where you and started that whole thing. That wasn't you, was it? No, no, not at all. That's all right, just making, just making sure. Let's bring in Shawnee B. What's up, Sean? Hey, what's up, Truth? What's up, Craig? What's up, Shawnee? All right, listen. Before I bring uh, Patty in, you know. I, it wasn't you, Sean, right? You weren't generating, pumping that news to Tannenbaum, right? Like, where did that come from? You you caught me, Craig. It was me. I, I told him. <laughs> I let him know. I said, Look, right. put this on air because I can't put it out to anybody. So, Mike, I need you to talk about this for me. So, yeah, you, you caught me. I was the one. Yeah, well, stop putting stuff in this coffee, all right? Because I think, I think Mike – and I got a healthy respect for Mike. He's always been, a you know, a, a good to the media. He's always been, a, 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 you know, he's a great GM. But that – Woo, we're going to get to that. Let's bring in the star. Where's Patty? Patty. Hi, guys. How are you, Patty? I'm good. How are you? We're great because you're hanging out with us, so that makes it even better. Well, thanks for uh, having me. Well, of course. It's been a long time coming, so I'm glad Truth reached out to you, and, and you'll, you'll hang out with us and, and bless us with your uh, your presence because we've got, like, we got tons of stuff to talk about. Even though it's the offseason season. We 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 got to know. I'm sure you've seen it. You know, like it's the off season, so all sorts of crazy things are going around. And and Mike Tannenbaum comes out and says, you know what, the Giants should trade what uh, for Deshaun Watson. 
and trade up for Jones in a second round pick. Is that Patty? Is that just eh? It's the off season, or is that like something he's thought long and hard about? I don't think he thought long and hard about that. Because, uh, <laughs> the first, the first thing that came to my mind when I heard that was what? I was like, a, a former NFL GM would make that trade proposal and not take into consideration the salary cap. Yeah. I mean, okay, I get it. It's the off season. We're all pressed for news and daily content, and you know, in some case, cases, clicks and whatnot. But that one, my goodness, that proposal was whew, out there, as Kramer would say from Seinfeld. Yeah, we were like, we were like, this is another episode of stupid people saying stupid things. Like we were like, come on, like, and I get it, I get it. You're looking for some news and stuff like that. So I just. You know, we know that Jones is a lightning rod, right? It's 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 polarizing. Everybody wants to talk about it. But that one just stopped me in my tracks. And I was wondering, they didn't really pan the room. But I'm sure the rest of the room was like, Mike, what are you talking about? <laughs> On top of the fact that Mara is never bringing a player in with surrounding of that all that controversy. Yeah, I mean, look, when he was first available to be traded, what did John Mara say? He said, Deshaun Watson will not be a giant. And, you know, look, at, at the time, I think the, the the charges against him, were they were actually allegations. And I believe he settled, if I'm not mistaken. But that aside, you know, he signed a guaranteed contract with the Cleveland Browns. So, you know, and he's making, um, I think his base salary, I want to say is what, 40, yeah, it's 46 million the next three years. Yeah. Yep. Can you imagine having to restructure that deal? What a nightmare that would be. You <laughs> yeah, just wouldn't be able to do it. If you're the Giants and you only have something like 20 million of cap space as of this, you know, recording, they'll get more, but come on, man. I mean, use your head, you know, it, yeah. it, it was just, it was a wild suggestion i give them points for creativity but <laughs> yeah you need, and, I, you know, I don't very often say never say i would say never say never but i would i'm i feel safe saying that'll never happen i'm looking at i'm looking in the chat and Darry says here i'll put it on the screen Darry says i thought it was satire when i saw it no darius that is that is that was live tv somebody trying to you know i guess maybe create some topics of conversation but uh, that was definitely not something well thought out. There's no doubt. Maybe he had a little something in his coffee. I don't know. I don't know either, but it, it, it was, it was just a weird, um, proposal that yeah. really wasn't thought out, you know, fully. And I, I get it. People don't want to hear about the salary cap. They go for, for the, you know, the, the, the shock value, if you will. Yep. But you know, that's why you have people like me who take those stories and say, okay, this really makes sense at the end of the day. And no, it doesn't, and here's why. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, I almost feel like they got on set and the producer goes, Mike, it's your turn. Say something outrageous, you know, because it's, you know, there's a lot of really good, smart, intelligent football guys on those shows, and that one just doesn't fit. That's the round peg in the square hole because no one's going to believe that, right? Like I said, it almost feels, Sean, we talked about it. We were just like, that one just Listen, we're on Twitter all day long, looking at news, talking to people. People say some things that we're like, oh, my God, that one felt a little fabricated. 
Yeah, he and he doubled down by saying they the Jets should bring in Russell Wilson to back up Aaron Rodgers. Like so, whatever <laughs> he was on one this week. So if he had any credibility left, he, he lost a lot of it this week with those. Uh, he clearly was going shock value. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they must be watching the ratings and saying, "Well, Mike, when you say something crazy, the social social media blows up." So let's 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 keep doing that. Um, uh, but truth, you guys, you guys been, you know, you and Spartan and Mike been doing a lot of, you know, draft talk and so forth like that. But let's let's talk about free agency, right? There are twenty six, and I shot Patty the notes. There are twenty six free agents. That's a lot of people to resign or let go. Um, truth, do you? I mean, and then and then kick it over to Patty. Truth, who's the, who's the must sign free agent, and who's the dark horse that maybe you didn't think was going to get signed? Oh my gosh! Well, See? again, Patty, Patty mentioned about cap space, and she knows a lot more than I do about that and how they can restructure deals and all that stuff and, and get more cap room, but. Um, that's the big issue. We got some players who are talented, like McKinney, you know, uh, had a really, really good year. But it sounds like to me he wants his money, everything I'm reading. And maybe Patty could uh, chime in about uh, how much of that is true with him. But I, I just think it would be too much to bring back. Um, so I, He's your, Is he your first guy, though? Is that who you want them to sign? Oh, no. No, actually, I don't want him to come back. I'd rather have put the money towards the trenches. I really would. I think we, I think the Giants have waited long enough to get that offensive line fixed. I think we got to do something about that and do it now. You know, I think we need to focus on the uh, offensive line and, and free agency. Patty, twenty six. Like who's 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 likely to come back? Is there one that you're like, oh, this is this is around the building. This feels good. This guy's going to come back. Is there? A, something you can bank on i'm not uh, gonna hold you to it i i'll tell you what of a of uh saquon barkley and xavier mckinney if i had to pick one that i think has the best chance of coming back i would go with barkley now I, i'm not saying for sure he's going to be back yep, but i think he has a better chance of coming back than than mckinney mckinney wants to be paid um he has been dropping hints left and right about respect and about, you know, recently he put out a cryptic tweet about the sacrifices he made and how, you know, he had to play that box safety role, that pseudo linebacker role for part of the season. Um, you know, he, he, guys to do that, it's like, it's almost like they're patting themselves on the back and it's like, okay, you know, you just we get do it. it. Yeah, we get it. It's like be quiet, just do your job, and you don't have to crow about oh, like you know, respect and all that stuff. So, I don't know how well that's going to sit with with the you know the front office, assuming they even hear that. But I think Barkley, you know, and I know there are people that want to move on from him, but Barkley, you know, has been the the ultimate team player. He has made sacrifices and he has shut his mouth about it. All right, yep. so you know, plus he's got a you know a new so solo agent. Um, he got rid of Rock Nation, and now he just has CAA repping, repping him. CAA was the one who actually got that that modified one-year deal done for, with the Giants last year. So, you know, I think he's got a better chance of coming back of the two, you know, the big two. Now, there are other guys that I think we need to mention. Now, they're not going to make necessarily be splashy names, but, you know, if you're asking me who else should the Giants bring back? Yeah, yeah, who do you want to see come back? Yep. I'd like to see maybe Isaiah Simmons back. I don't know if they'll get him back, but I'd like to see him back. 
I think there's definitely a role for him in the nickel and dime packages. Um, I think Gunnar Olszewski, who's, who's actually in a UFA, he's got to be back. Because he finally, you know, I mean, I we, how, many, how many years have we gone with no no punt returner? We finally got where you can't let that guy leave the building. I know, I know. And and people are like, oh, big deal. It's just a punt returner. Yeah, uh, it's been a while since they settled that, that position <laughs> down. So, so I would definitely look to, to see about bringing him back. Um, I'm just looking at the list here right now. I would consider bringing Ben Bredesen back, but not as a starter, maybe as like depth because of the guard center depth. Um, Nick McLeod is uh let's see, Nick McLeod, I think is what he's an RFA. So, yeah. He's an RFA, but you know, as a backup corner and as depth or as a yeah. gunner, he, I thought his, his work was outstanding. Um, let me see who else is on this list. I think maybe you, you bring back um, Casey Kreider, the long snapper, but Really, not a whole lot of names here that you can sit here and say, "Oh, they got to bring this guy got back." Ashawn yep. Robinson is a guy. Maybe I would have said, but you know, they they kind of missed the boat on that one. So yeah, that that that's pretty much what I'm looking at. Um, oh, somebody, what's your, what's your thought on Clayton, Patty? Because because you know, I mean, he's been the most consistent receiver we've had, and you know, I can't be he can't be that much money. Well, Slayton's under contract another yeah. year. It's going to say no more year left. Yeah, oh, Chris, Chris puts. Chris yeah, I, was, put, I, I saw that in the comments section. I was going to say Slayton's got one more year. Now, what I would do with Slayton because he does have kind of a high cap number. Maybe I would look to extend him to lower the number, even if it means putting a dummy year on there. And here's a thought I had. Now, I'm not saying this should happen. I'm not saying I want it to happen, but I'm just going to throw it out there. If the Giants end up getting a number one receiver in the draft. Now your four three are going to be the, whoever the number one receiver is, Wandale Robinson and Jalen Hyatt. So now the Slayton at some point become expendable where if you want to maybe trade him to another team after you extend him, maybe you can get, you know, you can pull that off. Okay. That's not a bad way to, and, or the other side of the coin is now you've got all one year and two year guys in there. Maybe you need a Slayton for a little bit of a older guy in the receiving room. Yeah, I mean, look, look. I like Slayton. I've said this many times. I've got tremendous respect for how he's handled himself, for yep, how he goes about guy. business. Um, I would not hate it if he stayed on the roster. I don't think the Giants would hate it. But you've got to kind of look at, you know, there's only so many balls to go around. And if you bring in a number one receiver, which we've all been screaming for, let's face it, we've all been screaming yeah. for a number one receiver, you know, where does that put him? Does he become now the number two? Does, you know, Jalen Hyatt get a bigger role? Does he become the number two? What about Wandale Robinson? How does that all shape out, you know? And, you know, Brian Dable, I don't think, looks at it in terms of number one, number two, number three, or, you know, this guy should get the most pass targets this week. You know, it's, it, it's based on matchups. But, again, you know, if, if now you maybe have yourself a trade chip if you need it, down the line. Yeah, very important. interesting. And, and Charney, we've talked about the fact that, you know, we always struggle with how they rotate the wide receivers, right? Because Hodgins, you know, went from dragging the Giants to the to the playoffs a year ago, then he couldn't find himself, you know, any snaps getting on the field. So as Patty said, there's a little bit of a log jam if you if you do bring in a a number one, whether it's Rome or or neighbors or you know whoever your whoever your choice is 
they bring in a number one, we got a little bit of a log jam there. Yeah, you must have been reading my mind because I want to ask Patty about that. Like a lot of us and myself were scratching our heads at that wide receiver rotation last year. It seemed like it didn't make sense. Did you get a sense of like why or what was going on that? And is that something that's going to change you know, this coming season or are they going to go back to rotations that make no sense at all? Do you have a, any sense of that, Patty? What, you mean you didn't like the fact that they had 80 slot receivers on the roster last year? <laughs> I mean, who was playing, right, yeah, and who was playing when and all, like, it, it just made no sense, like, you know? Like, no, I, no. I, I hear you, I hear you. I, I wondered about that, too. The only, you know, explanation I can come up with is they obviously had some concerns about Sterling Shepard coming back from an injury. Wandale Robinson was coming back from an injury, so they wanted to protect themselves. And then when those guys were able to come off the pup list and actually be on the roster. Now it became a situation where, okay, who are our three main guys and who are their understudies? So I think that's how they approached it. So their, their top three guys were Slayton, um, Wandale, and um, Hyatt. And then the backups, if you will, were, you know, you, you had Paris Campbell was a backup. Hodgins. Um, <laughs> yeah, Hodgins was a backup. And, and who am I missing? Uh, Campbell Hodgins. I'm missing, um, I'm missing somebody. Shepard. 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 Come on. Hello. My, one of my <laughs> favorites. So you, you had those guys as backups. So I think that's what they were trying to get at, but it was a weird situation. It definitely was. I mean, take some of that money that you spent on a Cole Beasley or a Paris Campbell, who you never ended up using much anyway, and yeah. get yourself an offensive lineman. I mean, I just didn't get that at all. Yeah. We, we used, I used to, I used to throw, you know, I'd be throwing my hat at the TV because it'd be like in the, like the middle of the fourth quarter and they would bring in, what's his name, Gunner, to get a couple snaps at, at slot receiver. And I'd be like, what are we doing? We've got five slot receivers on the team. Why are we putting the punt returner in for, for slot uh, rotation? And, and, and next thing you know, like, we're, you know, the guys are going back and forth. Like, this just doesn't make sense. So if they do bring in a wide receiver, um, it's going to make somebody expendable, like you said, and it, and maybe there's a, a trade involved with Slayton. Maybe maybe he's got some cachet that can help them, you know, um, solidify a line. Because as we all know, it's the bane of our existence at Giants fans is the offensive line is still not fixed ten years late. Yeah, I got something for you. A little, Go a ahead, little, Mike. Yeah, a little little twist here for Patty. You know, we still had that kid that we signed last year at a UDFA, that Bryce Ford Wheaton. Um, you know, I think that kid has a has such a, a lot of athletic ability. And I know the Giants gave him extra money when they signed him. So that must tell you something, how they feel about him. What are your thoughts with him? You think he could be somebody who could get a spot this year? On the 53, my guess right now is no. Because, again, you know, the assumption is, and I know what they say about assuming, but I think they're going to look to get a number one receiver. Darren Waller ain't it. I'm sorry. No disrespect to Waller. I know they that they tried to make him the pseudo number one receiver, but he ain't it. Yeah. Um, so with Bryce Ford Wheaton, the unfortunate thing with him is he missed his rookie campaign because of the injury, which is unfortunate. So he's got some catching up to do. Uh -huh. So could I see him maybe on the practice squad? Yes, I could maybe see that on the 53 man roster right now. Nah, I, I can't okay. see that. 
especially since they don't keep many guys that just play special teams. Mike, just think, look what they do with Carter Coughlin and Cam Brown. They don't touch the field. You know, they may be, they probably could be spot starters, backups on another squad. On the Giants, they barely get on the field for special teams. So it's going to be really hard for him to break in when his only role right now could be special teams, right? Like, if you look how they're built, you know, they've got McFadden playing special teams. Like, your starters play special teams. So it's going to be really hard for him to break in. Okay. Now, Patty, we had a show three weeks ago. I called it the Rush Rumble, and we basically took sides, Barkley versus McKinney. And everyone, I mean, we had, and it was a really popular show. There was probably 60, 70 people live on the, in the chat. I couldn't keep up to all the scroll um, at one time. And they all said basically the same thing. Love to have McKinney. Nobody wants to drop 14 to 17 million on a safety. You know, yeah, Barkley's, you know, he's a little bit older now and he's a running back, but you, you kind of would just rather have him than not have him. Because now if you, if he's not here, Patty, what are the Giants do? You're starting all over. Yes, I understand Eric Gray's in the building. Um, but realistically, the drop-off from going to a Barkley to Gray's, you know, that's basically falling off a cliff. What would the Giants do if they didn't bring Barkley back? That's a good question. And, uh, you know, look, I've always been of the opinion that, you know, regardless of who your quarterback is, you want to have a good offensive line, number one. You want to have good receivers, and that includes the tight end, number two, and you want to have a decent running game. Eric Gray might very well turn out to be a really good runner in this league. We didn't see enough of it last year. We saw a very small sample size. And did you ever ask yourself, why didn't he get on the field a whole lot when he was healthy on on offense? Because he couldn't pass pro. If you can't pass pro, you ain't getting on the field if you're a running back. So that was a big problem. And that was something he needed to develop. And then the injury happened and that didn't quite, you know, come to fruition. He wasn't able to continue his development. So, you know, we talk about, okay, what are they going to do at quarterback? You know, and it looks like they're going to run it back with Daniel Jones to start, you know, the uh, 2024 season if he is healthy. So wouldn't you want to surround Daniel or any quarterback, regardless of who the quarterback is, wouldn't you want to surround him with as much talent as possible you know, again, it starts up with the offensive line. I think that has to be the priority. But having a, a good receiver, having, you know, a, a decent running game. I mean, think about it. When the Giants took Saquon Barkley back in 2018 with the second overall pick, the reason for that, and, you know, a lot of people I'm sure don't want to hear, it, but the reason for that was Eli Manning had just come off of two straight seasons having thrown the ball over 600 times. He was getting, wow. up, you know, he was getting up there in age. His arm couldn't take 600, you know, pass attempts per season anymore. So they figured, okay, let's get a running back who can take some of the onus off of him. Maybe we we balance out the offense a little bit more. And that was, I think, part of the reason that they, that Gettleman was so hell bent on taking Saquon Barkley. One of the many reasons. Prolonging so, Eli Manning's career. Yeah. Yeah, to prolong Eli Manning's career. Exactly. So, you know, now you have a quarterback in Daniel Jones who may or may not be the future. And, you know, I don't know where you guys stand on that, but I I look at the escape patch that was built into the contract, and that yep. to me says a lot about yep. how the management really feels about him. Yep. So you might as well say to yourself, okay, regardless of who our quarterback is, 
we'll put the best players around him. You know, you're not going to say, okay, Daniel, you're not getting Saquon Barkley, whereas rookie quarterback, you know, whoever the, let, let, let's say it's Jaden Daniels. Jane Daniels, you are going to get Saquon Barkley and the number one receiver, but Daniel, you're not going to get these guys. Whoever that quarterback is, you want to make sure he has everything he needs to be successful because at the end of the day, the quarterback can't do it all by himself. Yeah. And we're, so there's, I got six guys on my team. We believe it or not, we're all relatively in the same bucket, right? Like we, we don't hate Daniel Jones at all, but like we're at the point now is every time Daniel Jones goes down, so does the season, right? Like, and we're at this point at least, and I can't speak for all the guys, but I mean, but in general, when we talk about it, it's like, look, you will not like Daniel Jones, but there's two major issues is we're going into year six, right? He's coming off this injury. Two things. Is he going to be ready at a hundred percent? And then if he's not, do we have to suffer through some, you know, practice squad QB because we want to win some games. Like we're tired of being held ransom by Daniel Jones's health, concussions, neck injuries, now knee, the fan base is held like this. Hey, if Jones goes down, we're scrapping at four and four, four wins, five wins, six wins. Like the franchise, I mean, excuse me, the fan base, they're all over the map. I get it, and I understand it. They're and and they're and some of them are off the rails. All right, I mean, uh, you guys would agree with me, right? We yeah. laugh all the time. They're off the rails. I mean, literally, like I don't know what planet these people come from. If you're on the rails. It's still, and you guys can jump in here. It's still like this. Hey, two things. If he's not ready to go, can the guy who's number two win me the first four games? Okay, that's probably unrealistic. Can the can the number two win three out of five games? You know, or or two out of four games, or or the other side of the coin. And and Sean, jump in here. Is if Jones goes down again. Do we just have to scrap the season? Uh, I've had season tickets since 1968. I have only missed seven games since 1986. Okay. I drive two hours in the snow, in the rain at nighttime to see them win. But now I'm at this point where I don't have fun because I know we can't compete when Jones isn't there. It's from, it's Glennon. You know, it's it's Tyrod. No dis- disrespect to Tyrod because he's a he's a good dude, great dresser, right? Um, uh, uh, class act, right? Same thing with Tommy. Sean, jump in. Number two's like we 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 talked two weeks ago. Number two's got to play. He's got to be able to play. Yeah, and I and I'm sure Patty like they thought when they signed Tyrod he was going to be that secure backup that they didn't have before, but he's getting injured. So I mean, there's got to be a new plan at at number two if they don't draft a quarterback, which I want them to draft a quarterback. I'll just say that too. But I mean, you got to have a solid backup. And again, no disrespect to Tyrod, but he gets as just as injured as our starting quarterback. So you yeah, I- go to, you know, like what. Is there, and I know you can't say too much, I get that, but there's got to be a better plan for backup quarterback than than what we've had the last two years, right? Yeah, um, you know, if I, if I may, you guys are also missing out uh, one very important thing about Daniel Jones, and that is he's played now, what, five seasons? And we're yeah. still asking questions about whether he's the guy moving forward? 
Yeah. Should we have figured this out like after year three? Yeah. And here we are, we're year five. Now I get it. There have been circumstances, you know, different coaching staffs have come in, different coordinators, yep. different systems. The offensive line has stunk. This has stunk. That has stunk. At what point do you just say, okay, enough with the excuses? At some point, yeah. Daniel Jones has to raise his level of play. Now we saw that in 2022. He, yeah. he played well. But everything around him was pretty much perfect, if you think about it. You know, that they, they, he didn't have the injuries. The offensive line was acceptable. You know, everything just kind of clicked. Plus, they had a benefit of a, you know, the schedule, I think, was a little bit more favorable. Um, you know, it was a new system, relatively new. So people were still trying to figure it out. You come to year two when you're taking, you know, when you're jumping from level 101 up to level 102 or 201, whatever. And now all of a sudden it's like you look lost. And to me, I, I look at Daniel Jones last year. I saw a guy who regressed, who was jumpy in the pocket, who was slow to make his reads. I mean, I've been screaming about his processing time now for, for I don't know how long. It doesn't yeah. matter what system it is. You know, the ball too long. He was missing guys, you know, that, that were wide open. And, and, and you just sit there and you say to yourself, at what point you stop making excuses and say, look, this is what he is. And is it good enough? Yes. If it's not, then we got to move on. Yeah. And I, I think we all agree with it. Right? You know, like, it's not like, it's not like you're just living in some fantasy world. It's all truth. Right. But, but we still asking ourselves, regardless of what he is there, if he's not able to play, there's got to be a better plan, whether it's a, them drafting one or signing a QB. Sean, what was what were the three guys we talked about two weeks ago? We talked about what uh, Browning and um, uh, Sean. Did I lose you? Yeah, I think, Sean, you still there? Can you you, you there? Uh, I'm here. Yeah, you you do uh, uh, froze. Yeah, up I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. You froze up for a second. Who were we talking about two weeks ago for backup okay. QBs? Uh, like, we were uh, talking about uh, Browning out of Cincinnati, Minshew Browning, and uh, Tannehill. Tannehill would be my choice. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. You're just, you're freezing a little bit, but you're you're good. I can hear you. So, so yeah, and then Jake Browning, Tannehill out of the three. Reset would be another option I would consider. You know, if I were if yep. I were making the call, but I Tannehill Brissett. Who was the other one we had? I think I had Min Minshew, I think, is, is the other one in, the, in this article. I'm I don't think the Colts are going to let him go, though. I don't no. think so either. Plus, Minshew, if I'm not mistaken, didn't he get a Pro Bowl berth this year? He, he did, and he won nine games. Right, and he's <laughs> he's kind of in the same situation as as whoever the backup would be with Daniel Jones and that Anthony Richardson is coming back from a season-ending injury, and there's a chance he might not be ready. So, you know, if you're Minshew, you really want to move on and start all over again with, in a new system. So, you know, and then, we, you know, another guy you, you want to maybe consider, Mitchell Trubisky. And hear, hear me out on this. Next year, 2024, I think the seat's going to be a little bit warmer under Brian Dable's backside. So yeah. you're going to want to hit the ground running as quickly as you can. So you, you say to yourself, okay, does it make sense to bring in guys who are a little bit more familiar with the system you run? Does it make sense to bring in a veteran on your offensive line rather than, you know, go back to the draft and, and pluck another rookie in and, and stick him in into the offensive line? I think in, in some instances that could be the approach that they take. 
Okay. Uh, so I, I'm fine. Sign me up. Can I jump on and add to yeah. that? Yeah, go. Play, play the scenario game. If they do that and they get, let's say they get Tanner Hill. We'll throw Tanner because Patty says she likes him. Um, does that mean or dictate that they will not go quarterback in, in round one? No, not necessarily. Okay. Not necessarily. Oh, he'll he'll okay. come back in. All right. But, so so let me ask you this, Patty. If that's the case, let's just say they do get a quarterback in round one, they're going to go into the season with four quarterbacks. Right? Not not necessarily. Again, not necessarily. Okay. So the, this is this is how I think it's going to play out. And and again, right, this is very early, subject subject to change. This is February nineteenth for the record. So right. you know, <laughs> I love it. Bring story. it, Patty. Bring it. Patty's bringing well, heat today. People will come back and they'll say, "You said this," and I'll be like, nah. "What day did I say it on?" You know? Yeah, yeah. And we and by the way, we we defend everybody. We had we had um we had Paul Tatino on last week. Oh, only yeah, and, and Paul's always been really good to us. We have him on usually like two or three times a year. And some guy went off on him in, in on Twitter. And I had to like step in and be like, yo, settle down. We're talking about the second week of February. Okay. And it was about and it was it was about Lamar Jackson. And what he said was, I want to compare as a baseball pitcher. He said, Some guys love uh Roger Clemens, throws a lot of heat, and some guys like um Uh, Maddox, Greg Maddox from Atlanta. And he's like, that's the difference. He's like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like Lamar on my team. He goes, he's a, he's an MVP. He goes, I wouldn't want him on my team. I want the Roger Clemens, you know? And some guy went, they all went all crazy. And I was like, guys, he didn't say that anything bad about Lamar Jackson. He just said he was building a team. He wanted the Roger Clemens type of horse and not the, not the, um, you know, the guy who can do it all, you know, where Maddox can throw fastballs and curveballs and uh, change-ups and stuff. So whatever you say, we will have your back. So go I for it. We're, we're, we're in. We're in. No, I appreciate that. And, and listen, I'm not always right. I mean, I've, I've missed on a, quite a few things, but I admit when I'm wrong. But anyway, what I think happens is Daniel Jones, because of his cap hit, he's going to be on the roster. We all know that. I think we can all yep. say that. They have said that the expectation, that is the key word, gentlemen and ladies out there, expectation is that once Daniel is healthy, he will be the starter. All right? That can change. If, if, he, if, he, if Joe Shane had said Daniel Jones is the starter once he's healthy, that's different than the expectation is. Okay? Yeah. So I think Daniel Jones will be the starter if healthy. They will bring in a veteran. Backup, whether it be Tannenhill, whether it be Mitch Trubisky, whoever the case may be. All right. I think that they will draft a quarterback. I'm not sure that they will do so in the first round. It would have it, it would have to take like a really crazy scenario for one of those top three to fall down to them. And quite honestly, I don't know. To me, I think I would want a receiver faster because this is such a deep quarterback class. I think, and some of you are going to think I'm I'm nuts for saying this, but I think if you one a JJ McCarthy, who I, whose name I saw pop up in the in the chat, um, I forget who said it. I think you could maybe maybe get him either at the top of the second or if you really want him and he's still on the board, trade back into the bottom of the first round. This way, it's not going to cost you as much 
to get back into the bottom of the first round as it would to go from six to number one to have your pick of the litter. That's what so, I see happening. Now, the question is, is what happens with DeVito? Where does DeVito fit into this? I think, you know, DeVito last year showed some promise. I don't know that he is necessarily, you know, locked into as number two, but you give him no. an opportunity to come in and compete. And worst case scenario, he goes back to the practice squad. Because let's admit it, guys, DeVito was pressed into action last year well before he was ready. We saw it with how yeah. long he was holding the ball, with some of the decision-making. He wasn't fully ready for the for the bright lights. He did the best he could with what, what was given to him. They scaled down the game plan to minimize what, you know, he couldn't do well. But that's how I kind of see the whole quarterback situation playing out. And then if I if I just can make one last point on this. Yeah, sure. If Daniel Jones somehow, you know, comes in, stays healthy, has a good year, and you say, okay, well, what do you do now? You've got Jones who just had a good year. You've got this rookie that you drafted. Wild scenario here. I know some of you are going to say that I'm crazy for suggesting this, but maybe after the 2024 season, you look to move Jones to another team because the 2025 quarterback class in the draft is said not to be as good as this year's draft class. Yep. So maybe you try and move him. And I know some people are going to say, what well, are you crazy? Who's going to trade for Daniel Jones? If you redo his contract, you know, because he doesn't have any guaranteed money, I think. Um, or actually, I think it, it, it becomes part of it becomes guaranteed after, after a certain date. But you redo that contract beforehand. Maybe you can move him if, you know, your rookie is ready to take over. So you give yourself some flexibility with that position. And if you do that, Patty, um, if you had a guy like Tannehill there, there's still a guy there that you that you probably brought on pretty cheap to help groom the kid too. Exactly. And I, and whoever the veteran is, I believe they're going to get a contract very similar to Tyrod Taylor, not necessarily in terms of money, but in terms of how it's structured to where, okay, you get one rate if you're just strictly the backup. But if you end up starting, there are going to be playtime and performance incentives that will inflate your earnings to that of, you know, what a, a low end starter might make. I love it. I'm going to, so I'm going to throw this up on here. Cause yeah, uh, Matt, yes. Patty does not think they're drafting a quarterback. She's th thinking wide receiver. I think it depends on how it falls. How yeah, the ball is, right. it falls. She did I say that, yep. I don't think Caleb Williams will be there at six. No. I question if Jaden Daniels is going to be there. Now, I have seen some draft analysts are saying that that uh, Drake May is going to slide down the board. At that point, you know, I don't hate Drake May as a prospect, but if I have if, if I'm Joe Shane and I have a chance to get a number one receiver, a difference making receiver, that's where I'm going, especially knowing that. There's another group of quarterbacks, like I said, at the bottom of the first round, the beginning of the second round, where the Giants are drafting, by the way, that yep. maybe I can get and develop. Because, look, everybody's up this notion that you got to get a franchise quarterback in the first round. Well, not necessarily. I no. mean, you know, Tom, Tom Brady is a great example of a, of a quarterback who was, wasn't drafted in the first round. Kurt Warner, who's in the, in, in the Hall of Fame, wasn't drafted in the first round. You look around the NFC East, Dak Prescott, and I know some of you are going to say he stinks. I get it. But he wasn't drafted in the first round. Yeah, he, Russell Jaylen Wilson Hurts, was the second round. Jalen Hurts wasn't drafted in the first round. Russell Wilson, who won a Super Bowl. 
Um, uh, he did win a Super Bowl, right? Yeah. 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 He, he wasn't okay. He was he wasn't first round. So there are guys that you can get in later rounds. Yes, your 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 chances improve with the first round, but it's not a lock. You know, it's not a a surefire thing. Steve says, if the G-Men stay at six, please don't reach. In my opinion, DJ was a reach. So, I mean, yeah, you're you're drafting six again. So, I think you said like if someone slides, then it feels appropriate. But don't Steve's opinion is don't grab JJ McCarthy at, no, at six. No, definitely not. If you have a choice, let's say Marvin Harrison Jr. somehow slides down to six, I'm running that call to the commissioner yeah. if I'm the Giants. I mean, come on. In my mock draft that I did on Giants Country, believe it or not, that scenario happened where Marvin Harrison Jr. was sitting there. I'm really? Like, Shoot, man, this is a no-brainer. It was either him. Or Drake May. Well, said, it must have been Tannehill. Uh, what the yeah. Tannenbaum doing the GM if that happened? <laughs> hey, Sean, Sean, yeah. if Marvin Harrison Jr. was there at six, he'd sell more more jerseys than Jones did when he was drafted. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he'll sell, he'll sell more jerseys than, than Kelsey. Yeah. Right I would now. look forward to that reaction if Marvin Harrison Jr. is there at six. And the, and he's the Giants' pick. I would look forward to watching. You know, it's funny. I I. I I was watching earlier today, and, and I don't know why. I guess it, I was posting my podcast for tomorrow, and I happened to come across the video, the fan reaction video to the Daniel Jones pick. Yeah. And, oh, my gosh. Can you imagine the reaction yeah. if Marvin Harrison Jr. fell to the Giants at six? It would be like the total opposite. Oh, my oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah. And, Sean, you and I have talked about the receivers. I mean, I don't think anybody's complaining if, if, if Adunze is there either. Mm-hmm. No, Doomsday or neighbors or those guys. Like, yeah, nobody's no, gonna be upset about that at all. all. I, I want to back up with some, and and I I did a little research myself, Patty, and I you kind of mentioned the scenario of Drake May dropping. Like, and again, I know it's a fine line of what you can and can't say, but to me, I feel like Shannon Dable may see him as a Josh Allen type. Like, he's similar height, similar body size. There's a lot of comparisons there. Like, in your mind, do you see like that similarity between? You know, a Josh Allen when he was in college and a Drake May as he's in college. I don't know. I mean, I, I see two different guys. You know, I, I really don't like to play the comparison game. I I just don't feel that's fair. Um, I think, you know, Drake May has his, his strengths and weaknesses just as Josh Allen has his strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, people say, you know, I, I made this point the other day on social media about, you know, how I wish the Giants had gotten Patrick Mahomes and everybody's like, oh, well, if they had, even if they had gotten them, they wouldn't have developed him. And I'm like, well, you know, maybe it would have been different. I mean, you know, it, it does start with the quarterback having some natural talent. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. Pat Shermer, you know, when the Giants drafted uh, uh, Daniel Jones, Shermer was not a horrible, you know, quarterback developer. He had, he had some success yeah. with developing quarterbacks. Yeah. I mean, look at yeah. the work he did in Cleveland where he got, you know, a couple guys who, who people were giving up on and he got them to play at a, at a decent enough level. So again, what, what hurt the giants and, and particularly Daniel Jones is the, the constant changeover, but you know, yeah. you look at Ryan Dable, he helped develop Josh Allen who had talent, you know, let's, let's give Josh Allen credit. Um, you know, Kafka's coming back. Mike Kafka's back former quarterback, he can help him. And then, you know, look at Shay Tierney too. You know, we've got to talk about the job he did because I mentioned how Tommy DeVito was pressed into action. 
Does Tommy DeVito win three games, including one against the playoff bound Packers without having been developed somewhat? I mean, there was more development he could have done, but you got to give credit to Shea Tierney as well for helping to get him up to snuff and, and at least be functional. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's some yeoman's work being done, you know, with, hey, Tyrod's going down. We're bringing in the practice squad kid from Jersey. Like, those guys did a lot of good work. I mean, kudos to Tommy for stepping up and get it done. But there's a lot of work behind the scenes being done with the, with Tierney. A lot of late nights, a lot of film, you know, being put in there. And, and you know, because, the you know, you're always putting out the, the, the top of the line stuff. That story falls between the cracks and doesn't really get mentioned very often. And that's that's kudos to Kafka and and uh, and, and Tierney because, like you said, like realistically, nobody ever thought that Devito would see the field ever. And here, you know, and he started three games. Exactly, exactly. And and you know, look, the other thing, the other problem, you know, with, with quarterbacks is it helps if they have a mentor. You know, Daniel had Eli for a year. You know, I think ideally, I think the Giants would have liked to have kept Eli another year. I know that would have set the fan base on its ear, but you can't underestimate the value of that mentorship that goes on behind the scenes. Now, you know, they were able to keep Eli in a front office role. I don't think Eli's there every day. I'm not really sure, but and and Eli generally doesn't really get involved unless he's asked to help with, you know, the with the football aspect of it. But you know, I see somebody in the chat mentioned Mahomes. Dad said that uh, Pat learned a lot from Alex Smith. There's that that progression. I mean, think about it. Yeah. When Eli was a rookie, who did he learn from? Kurt Warner. Yep. You know? Yep. Um, I, I'm, I'm just trying to think. I'm, when Phil – now I'm going back. Uh, well, Green Bay. Sims Green drafted, Bay. Sims have, Simpson have Sims had – Sims had – well, Sims had Bruner. No, Bruner yeah. came after Sims. Yeah. Bruner like they were like, they were like they were the same Bruner. age. No, yeah, I'm pretty Sims sure really have a, came after. Did he have Pisarchek? I think he yeah. had Pisarchek, which yeah. you know, I know a lot of Giant fans are going to be like, "Oh, the fumble," you know. But, but the point being is, is it helps when you have a veteran mentor, especially at quarterback. And here's here's a thing I'll throw out at you guys for what it's worth. Jones, um, and it last not last year, 23, but 22, he had Davis Webb. Now, a lot yeah. of people forget this, but Davis Webb not only knew Dable's system inside and out, Davis Webb, and, and you guys can laugh at me, I don't care, I'm going to stand by this, one of the smartest guys I've ever come across playing that position. Okay. Super smart, learned that, I mean, he was destined to be a coach, and of course now he, he's the quarterback's coach out in Denver. So somebody had once asked me, they said, how much did losing Davis Webb actually hurt the Giants? I said, you know what? That's a valid point because no disrespect to Tyrod, who also knew the system, but Davis could make, you know, anybody understand how the system worked. I mean, he was that good and that detailed. Yep. You, you just knew he was going to be a good teacher one day, a good coach. And, you know. What did lean on? Yeah. So, you know, that that's a valid point, I thought. You know, they lose him. And, and, and the story came out. I forget who had it initially. Oh, I know who it was. Sean Sean Payton said it during the Super Bowl week that the Giants actually tried to get Davis Webb back after the injuries happened. So what does that tell you about what they thought of him? Yeah, uh, that they really like him. <laughs> they wanted him to stay. I, I, I firmly believe, and I had heard, that they would have liked for him to have stayed 
as the coach. The problem was where they were going to fit him in, you know, because they weren't going to, you know, turn around and say to Jay Pierney, okay, you're out, dude. We're going to replace you with Webb. You know, I don't know exactly what Webb was looking for in terms of coaching position. I don't think he wanted to be a quality control guy or an offensive assistant. I think he wanted to step right in and be an, a, a, you know, a position coach. And he got that with Sean Payton. But I know they wanted him to stay. They thought that much of him. You know, it's interesting, too, because, like you said, if a guy like Tannehill comes in and they draft a QB, there's your there's your crutch, right? There's your coach in the making. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So you have your built-in built support system. Is there anyone – and like the like I said, like it's such a lightning rod for most people, um, you know, to, to like the Jones thing. And we're talking about twenty six different. Is there anyone on that list that we talked about that you want to come back? Like a guy, you're like, you know what? They just need to make find a way to get this guy because like, is it like you know, is it a Robinson? Is it a you know, is it a um, is it a Jackson? Like, is there a guy on there, Patty, that that you just feel like he's too hard to replace? Uh, well, right now I would say the Giants don't have a CB2, so you can make the case that Dory Jackson, you know, losing him is going to be a, a, a gap, but I think they're going to go the veteran route with him. I like Kendall Fuller as a possibility for that CB2 role. Um, so that, him, yeah. but, but I'm just going ba based on the list. And again, I'm looking at the list here and knowing what they have and what they don't have as of the state. So right now they don't have a CB2. They don't have a swing tackle because Tyree Phillips, remember, was injured late in the year. So who's their swing tackle? I think they're going to need some depth along the interior offensive line. The guard situation, I really don't know what they're going to do there. I, I think they're going to go veteran. I think it makes sense because going back to what I said earlier, you want to hit the ground running. And as, as tempting as it might be to draft a rookie and plug a rookie in there, you you saw how having Justin Pugh on the offensive line calm that line down, all right? It gave them kind of like a an anchor, if you will. So I think they go and they get a, a veteran, at least one veteran for that offensive line. I'm I'm banging the table for Michael Wanu from the Patriots because he gives you guard tackle flexibility to where if Carmen Brasillo, the new offensive line coach, says, you know what, guys. I don't agree with you that Evan Neal is, is a good fit for right tackle. I think we should move him to left guard because he played on the left side in Alabama, had his success on the left side. And, oh, by the way, we're putting him next to Andrew Thomas. So if he can't succeed next to Andrew Thomas, then I don't know what else to tell you. Meanwhile, you know, if you get a guy like Awanu, you put him at right tackle. Now, if you decide, okay, Evan Neal is going to be fine at right tackle, you can fix some of the balance issues and and straighten out, you know, the 45-degree angle that they had him blocking at instead of the straight-up angle that he used at Alabama. Now, maybe you, you move Awanu to guard. So you have a, a, a built-in, and, and, you know, I know it's going to cost a lot to get Awanu. I don't even know if the Patriots will let him go. But that's a guy I would definitely look into. And then I would look into getting um, – the kid, uh, oh gosh, I can't remember the guy's name. He's a tackle with the Raiders. It, it's something with an E. Uh, is it Jeremiah's? You know, oh, yeah, I do know who you're talking about yeah. because he because he knows the uh, the offensive line coach. Yes, I think you're going to see at least one Raiders offensive lineman make the jump over to the Giants because contrary to what you might have heard, I mean, I had 
on my podcast, I had our Locked On Raiders host, uh, Quentin Myers. I also had Hondo Carpenter, who's my colleague over at Fan Nation. And I asked about Carmen Brasillo and his teaching and how he was received. And they both told me that the guys loved him. And I know there had been a report, and I don't know where the report came from, that, you know, Brasillo wasn't as well liked in the locker room. I had two guys willing to put their names to it that's to say that he yeah. was well liked. So, I mean, take that for what it's worth. But, um, but yeah, that's how I would approach the offensive line because you've got to hit the ground running regardless of who your quarterback is, regardless of who your receivers and running backs are and your tight ends are, that offensive line has got to be yeah. fixed. It's got to be your priority. Sean, what do you want? What Sean, what do you want here for the Giants? Do you want to you want them to draft? They have two second round picks, Sean. You want a guard in there somewhere, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I, I want I, I like Cooper Beebe in the second round. If you can get him, that guy just screams like nasty old line. I guess what I want to ask too, going back to what Patty was talking there, like how much of a realization did the Giants have that that old line was as bad as it was? I mean, I know they got rid of Johnson, but how realistic are they were? they knew that that change had to happen and they, they got to get more out of their players because they have the talent, in my opinion, they just weren't developed. So how much in your mind, like how much of a realization that they were like, this has got to change. Yeah. I mean, I'll just leave this for you guys to think about that offensive line could not pick up a stunt to save its life. Oh, it we couldn't pick up a stunt. Anytime we there was a twist, any twist, it was over. Not pick up a stunt. How many times do we also see Justin Pugh, who is a veteran, trying to pull? He didn't have a clue. Yeah. All right. Too many for my taste. I don't know about you guys. Yeah. When you see one guy screwing up, you say, okay, maybe it's that guy. When you see six, seven, eight guys screwing up, you got to wonder what they're being taught in the classroom. And Brian Dable, as you mentioned, he fired Bobby Johnson. Because the development wasn't there. You know, you they had high hopes for Joshua Zudu to become one of the starting guards. And he just could not achieve his consistency. The yep. poor dude, his head was spinning. And this is year two, you know. So, you know, you just, you had that. And then also when you look at how that offensive line was handled in training camp. And I was screaming about this. I'm saying to myself, why in heaven's name? Are they still playing around with different combinations a week before the season? You know, yeah. at what point do you say, okay, these are my best five. I'm going with them. I want them to get reps together. I want them to start building camaraderie, communication, verbal and non-verbal. No. They weren't I, doing that. And then all I of a said, sudden, oh, comes week one. Oh, uh, Andrew Thomas is hurt. So now we're going to put Joshua Zudu, who had never practiced at left tackle during the summer. <laughs> At left tackle. How did that make sense? Uh, we, Truth and I have talked about this numerous times. I said, Mike, what I don't understand is how do you go into the season saying that Sean, Lemieux, that, that Sean Lemieux and and Pert have value to have a roster spot? They have not been on the field for three years. Like we, we flushed two, we flushed two roster spots down the toilet. And I can only imagine Bobby Johnson being like, yeah, these guys are fine. Let's keep these guys. I'm, I was, I cannot get past it. I've, I've struggled with this. I'm sure they're, again, this isn't about them as people. I'm sure Pert and Lemieux are great people. But no offense to them, guys. They're never healthy. When they're on the field, they don't produce. But we keep bringing them back. 
And I kept saying, somewhere along the line, somebody's got to be held accountable because someone's saying, hey, these guys here, these are the guys that we should make sure are on our roster. And if that's Bobby Johnson, he's been killing us for a long time. And here's one other thing I'll throw out at you. What is the job of a coach? Tell me what the job of a coach is. To teach. Okay. So you go and you cut Tyree Phillips because he suddenly developed some bad habits and you're not able to teach and coach him out of them? Really? Yeah. yeah. Where'd he go? I was like, I, he, Tyree he Phillips went to, went to Philly <laughs> and they signed him back. Yeah. So yeah. That you, 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 know, you saw Tyree Phillips supposedly developing these bad habits and you couldn't fix them. Isn't that your job or am I missing something? Oh, that's a job. You're right. Uh, Yeah. And Shawnee, he went to Philly, learned how to play and came back. Yeah. Yeah. He did a decent enough job. Yeah. He got good coaching. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now is he a free agent or is he restricted? What's his deal? He's a UFA, but he's got that injury. So I don't know that they're going to, Resign him right away. I think they're going to monitor him, yeah, and let him get healthy. So, so that's. But I I bring him back. Yeah, yeah. they cut him to begin with. You know, I mean, you see bad habits, you coach him. Come on, you coach him out of them. A hundred percent. Like, like if he can, if he's healthy, the guy earned the opportunity to compete. Sure. I mean, like I was. I was so happy that they brought him back. I was like, this guy's not bad. Why did we get rid of this guy? No, why did we get rid of him? Go ahead, Truth. You got something for me? Yeah, no, yeah. Patty talked about the cap space uh, uh, earlier. It's about 2025 right now. And we got about a little under a month before we hit free agency. So Shane's going to have to make some moves. And realistically, Patty, how much more do you think he can get? Um cap space uh, before that free agency hits? Um, let me go take a look at over the – I wrote this for Giants Country. Well, Glowinski right off the bat, Glowinski's going to – Yeah, he's gone, cut. right? 5.7, you're clearing, yep. All right, let me let me see what else they can do. I just got to pull up the, the numbers here. Let me just get them real quick. Um, I think Andrew Thomas's contract – is going to be one they maybe restructure. So let me just pull up the numbers here. Andrew Thomas has, let's see, three million prorated signing bonus. Okay, so he's got a fourteen point one seven five million base for twenty twenty four. You could probably drop that down to the veteran minimum, for which is commensurate with his number of years of experience convert the money into a signing bonus and now you spread that out over 2024 25 26 27 and 28 28 uh, that's when when right now if you look at the contract there's no prorated signing bonus because the way it works with a prorated signing bonus is you can only extend it over five years so in andrew thomas's case his contract um runs through 2029 so that's more than five years, obviously, when when he uh, when he signed it. So I think that's why they kind of did that to be able to push money down the road into where the, there's no money, if you know what I mean. Right. Now that's kind of you know I'm getting technical here, but that's why that contract was set up. So I do think they can they will look to do something with that contract. I mentioned maybe um, extending uh, Darius Slayton. 
So Slayton has, let me see, oh, I'm on the wrong page here. Slayton, I think, has a 7 million cap hit, I want to say. 7.9, no, that's, that's, um, that's Okara case. Okara case. I was say, that sounds way too high for Slayton. No, Slayton, you know, I was right, 7.95. Is this really okay? Yeah, wow. but he's got a 2.5 million um base salary. I would look to extend him. I really would get that down. I think Bobby O'Karake might be a candidate to, to have his number drop a little bit. Let me just see his number. Um, he's at 7.9 for his base. They could, yeah, they could probably you know drop that number down because 2025 he's got a roster bonus due. Um 2026, he's got another roster bonus. So those are just some moves. And then, you know, Dexter Lawrence is another contract that you can redo. But here's the thing with Joe Shane. You know, I see people saying, oh, the Giants, here's how they can open up $80 million. They're not going to do that unless yeah, they need yeah. it. They're going to yeah. open up what they need as they need it. That's how they work. Because if you go crazy, you open up $80 million. First of all, I think there's a a minimum you have to spend on the cap. And I don't remember what the minimum is off the top of my head, but there's a percentage that you have to have invested. Um, second of all, now you're pushing money down the line. Yeah, you're kicking the can down the road. And that's, you know, I, and I made this point. The Giants have like, I think it's $6.5 in dead money from three contracts where they kick the can down the road. You can't keep doing that. Otherwise, you, your cap is never going to be healthy. The cap has gotten better for the Giants in the last couple of years, but it can be a lot better still. And Shane will get it there. I'm convinced he will, but it's you got to stop kicking the can down the road where, where you, you know, and only do it if you absolutely need to. You know, I see people saying, oh, you know, they can restructure Daniel Jones. I wouldn't touch Daniel Jones's contract. I no. mean, you, you want that escape hatch, you don't touch it. You've already right. touched it once. Yep. I would not touch it this year. So, okay. Go ahead, Sean. Jump in. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you said it right. Like certain things you can't touch. That escape hatch when that when that contract was signed, it said to me right there. Okay, he he had that one good year. We, we put ourselves in a bad situation by not giving that fifth year. All right, now we're going to work it in two years. But I think I guess my question is um, when we look at I know we talked about Glowinski. Is there any kind of other surprise cuts you kind of see happening to help with that? And, and also, the cap is supposed to go up because we haven't got that cap number yet. Two forty. Yeah, Mark. Yeah, Mark first, right? Uh, well, actually, it should be next week. I think we'll have the number. But I put an article up today. They're projecting it's going to be about two forty three, two hundred forty three million, but it could be higher. Um, over the cap, the number that I work with is two forty two. So we're only off by a million. But they're projecting somewhere between 242 and 243, possibly higher. But we should know that, you know, probably by next week. Okay. Because, okay. You know, next week that you've got the combine and you've got um, agents and players, they're going to want to be dealing with contracts. And these GMs need to know what they're going to be working with. So it's coming. Um, I know you want to hang out with us all night. Let me ask you real quick on, on Waller. Like, again, didn't turn out to be that number one. Definitely another injured year. Um, he hasn't played a full season in three years. I mean, that's a long time not to, you know, play a season. He definitely looked a lot slower because he, you know, he had some lower body injuries. Like, what's what's 
again, great guy, right? Guy's got a great story, local guy. Everybody's cheering for him. But, you know, he's not the number one. And, like, so, like, do you, you know, and, and by the way, I hate to say this, it's going to make me sound terrible, but I think you kind of squashed Bellinger's development because you basically made him the right tackle. You, you basically made him block every play. So it went from, hey, this this kid got his, his face broken. They broke his, his eye socket, got a plate put in it, scored a couple touchdowns, had 400 yards receiving. Maybe there's something there. Now, now he's blocking 80% of the snaps. What's what's the tight end situation look like, Patty? Like, what's what's your thoughts? Do you want Waller to stay? What's your gut there? I think Waller does stay because cap wise, you're going to end up having more dead money than you are savings. And when you cut a guy, ideally you want more savings than dead money. Yep. Good point about Bellinger. That's something that I thought about too. Bellinger doesn't have the athleticism of a healthy Waller, but he was also he's never healthy. <laughs> well, right. He, you know, Waller's he's got to stay on the field. <clears throat> Excuse me. Bellinger also was pretty good. I think he caught okay, it was 80 something, 80. I want to say 83% of his pass targets Target. as a rookie. Target. Yep. Which was, I think, the best mark out, out of all the uh receiving targets. So I'd like to see Bellinger get a little bit more involved in yep. the pass passing game. Yeah. Um, the blocking. I thought his blocking this year maybe took a little bit of a step back. I don't know if there was an injury involved there, but I thought at times he just wasn't finishing his blocks with the oomph that he had, you know, in the past. Yep. Um, tight end to me is a need, but is it like a high priority need in the grand scheme of things? Probably not. I think the Giants will probably I can't see them drafting Brock Bowers. Let's put it that way. I totally yeah, because you, you know there's people out there clamoring for the guy. And I'm like, yeah, we cannot draft the tight end with the sixth pick in the draft. No, no. It, it, tight ends need, but I don't think it's, you know, like the top three needs. I think we all know what the top needs are on this team. Yeah. So I I, th I wonder if maybe they're going to try to pick up, you know, um, maybe a veteran. I, I know they kept Tommy Sweeney on the reserve list, but I don't know if Tommy Sweeney, if, the, if his health situation is going to allow him to come back. Um, you know, they had Cager on the, on the roster, but that really didn't work out. Maybe you pick up, you know, like a, I don't know, like a phase two, phase three free agent, you know, and, and, and an undrafted him, free agent. or you get an undrafted free agent. Exactly. So yeah, I, I, I think tight end is something Ultimately, they're going to have to address. But Waller, I think, stays this year. I'd be surprised if they cut him because I think the savings is like six something, six million something. The okay. dead money is like seven something. And to me, it doesn't make sense to cut a guy when when your your dead money is going to be more than your savings. Man, you got a lot of good info. We got to do this on a regular basis. All right. So I, since since you're new to the show, we always anytime. So we usually interview a player once a month. And we've we've been fortunate to interview some really cool guys from from McFadden to Kurt Warner to Hodgins to to you know to Carl and Leonard what uh uh Leonard Marshall we, and I always do the same thing so I'm going to I'm going to play this little game with you it's called the speed round I'm going to ask you 10 questions. Oh okay? Oh yeah. Boy. Yeah, just just so you can, it's again it's always about having some fun. All okay. right, here we go. Everybody thanks for tuning in to Giants Rush. Uh, Patty Trainer, you can find her at Sports Illustrated. 
Uh, make sure you're checking out Giants Country, which, by the way, our boy Tommy is there because Tommy Tommy used to be with us here at Rush, and you stole him from us, Patty. You stole oh, him from us. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. We love Tommy. We love Tommy. Check out Lockdown Giants, folks. That's my podcast. Five days a week of content. 100%. Make sure you guys are following, subscribe, and check that out. Um, And we thanks for hanging out with us. Let's go speed round. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Question number one. Fourth quarter drive. You go with Sims or you go with Eli? Fourth quarter drive. Oh, gosh. I'm going to go with Eli. King of the fourth quarter combat. All right, I'm just marking this down. All right, your favorite number 27, Rodney Hampton, Ron Dane, Brandon Jacobs. Jacobs, because I covered him mostly. Okay, circling that out. All right, you're going to have breakfast at the facility. Uh, what player are you eating with? Not in, uh, of right now, 2014. 20, you're going to have breakfast at the facility with a player. Who is it and why? It could be any player, like from any, any player, any player. No, no. Right now, tw- uh, like a t- player that's on the twenty-four roster. It's on the twenty twenty-four roster. Bobby Okereke. Why? Because he's so, he's he's just he's a deep thinker and he's super smart and I appreciate people like that. Cool. He's a Stanford guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Sweetheart too. So. Awesome. They're Not uh, we, trust me, trust me. I was when he first got here, Patty. We were like, we were lost. We were like, wait a minute, this is not the same guy we saw on the Colts. Why does this guy look lost? And when we, when we inter- yeah, we were going, we were like, what the heck? And we interviewed McFadden, and we were, he was like, it just clicked one day. He was like, one day, he just was like, oh, okay, I got this, and it was off to the races. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Uh, worst days as a journalist or slash writer, best day as a journalist writer. Worst day, best day. Worst days would probably be when a game, a late game goes into overtime. I hate late games as it is, but when they go into overtime, I hate it even more. Uh, Best game had to be the Super Bowls. I mean, come on. Is there any other answer? It's true. I just thought maybe for me, Super Bowl, 42 because 46 I was just coming off cancer treatment so I don't really remember 46 as much but I remember 42 very vividly yes well we'll we'll clap for that because that is a great answer and glad that you are um in a good place right now um yeah and for the record they are terrible for me too and I don't even write anymore I let I let Michael do all the writing for the website I don't even write anymore but I live in South Jersey outside of Philadelphia and it takes me about two hours to get two hours, two fifteen to get home. So those late nights when everybody's at home in bed, I'm still driving down the turnpike. I, I stay, I only live a half hour away and I, I stay at a hotel for those late night games. Yeah. I just, you know, the older I get, it's like, you know what? I'll just go across the street. I'll just stay in one of the hotels and <laughs> yep. I'll drive home in the morning. Yeah, people like to make fun of me because they're all tucked away in their bed. Either they're happy with a smile, or they're or they're they're angry after the loss. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm still I was at at quarter to two in the morning. I'm only at like exit five on the turnpike. Um, all right, here we go. Uh, question number five: uh, Red jerseys, yes or no? No, love they're it. Blue, come on. Sean, and how bad are those red jerseys? I know the significance of the red jerseys, but I never like them. Sorry. So yeah, same here. They're so bad. So bad. 
I have one memory in the red jerseys, and it was like, it's a shocky memory. For some reason, I just have a shocky in the red, like running in my head, like just him being an animal. But no, red jerseys are bad. All right. Um, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this one too. Old stadium or new stadium? Old stadium. Yeah. Yeah. The old stadium had character. This new stadium. Yeah. No, it's a rector set. Yep. It's, it's not, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) you're speechless over my head. Don't get me wrong. I'm thankful to be indoors for the games and all and, and the elements, but the, the old stadium, the red and the blue, it just, it had more character and it just, yeah. it, I don't know. It was just something about it that just was special. Heck yeah. No, I'm right with you. I, I That's where I grew up as a kid, going to those games with my dad. And then the new stadium came and I was like, I was like, this is it? Yeah. <laughs> this is what you built with $4 billion? I was but like, come on. You have to share, share the vision with, with another team. You don't uh, yeah. come up with something that looks cold and almost, you know, like, 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 uh, like it came from a hospital or something, you know, it's just, yeah. it, it, I, I think if you get a chance, if you look outside your house, <clears throat> it looks like an air conditioning unit. If you look, you know, cause it just, it, if it looks like it's what's with back of my house. Toaster. I thought somebody compared it to a toaster. It, it does. It's got a little toaster to it too. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yes. Uh, uh, in the comments, uh, C rock says it's an over air. It is. It's an oversized, Air conditioning. That's what I'm saying. It looks like an air conditioning unit behind my house. All right. Uh, Question number seven. Uh, A player or former player you consider a friend? Oh, wow. Um, There's so many. Okay. Give us one. I don't know if I could pick one. Um, That I consider a friend. I'm going to say OCU Manura because – uh, who I'm actually I'm going to interview on my show, um, my podcast this week, and the reason nice. why I OCU is um, when my father died in 2019. You know, I put I, I put it out on Twitter, you know, kind of to say, hey, I'm going to not be around because my father died, and OC reached out to me. He was one of a handful wow. of players, but he, he I remember him specifically in the message he had because he had met my father years ago and he liked my okay. father my father liked him and you know this was when oc was a rookie um we had done a charity event and and he was at it and and uh he got to know my father and he re- and oh he was just tremendous so uh, i i would say oc that's but, uh, awesome. there are others there are others too i don't want to diss the others that i i form you know no 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 i just figured if there was one and that's a great story and i appreciate you sharing that that's very cool that's very cool um all right number eight uh, hardest giant to cover or interview. Not not that they're bad people. Maybe maybe one guy doesn't like answering questions, or maybe you, some guy's really quiet and he's or he's shy. Who's the hardest guy to interview? Of, on the current team or all together? Uh, why don't you give me one? Why don't you give me one of each? The current one and then all time. Uh Kadarius Tony was definitely a challenge. <laughs> yeah, I'll a, let you figure out. I wonder why. why. <laughs> <laughs> just, that was that was being right? very right? polite. Yeah. I I actually I actually was like half tempted to go in one day with, with the clown nose on oh after the media, some some clown thing I was going to wear, and I thought ah that's that, that won't look very cool if I do that. But you know I I kind of found it funny. So he was hard. Um, Deontay Banks is kind of shy, but I think once he gets to know you and he, and he works outside of a group. Or, and, and works, you know, one on one with you. He's a little, yeah. he's better. 
Um, pass, guys. Who's difficult? Oh, gosh, that's tough. Um, you know, I can't honestly... I'd have to really think about that one because I always found it easy to, to get along with most guys. I don't think that we were... I honestly can't say there was anyone that I didn't get along with and I couldn't make conversation with. Okay. So I have to think about that one. But Kadarius Tony for sure. And DeAndre <laughs> in a group. I don't think he's, he, I think he's on the shy side, but you get him one-on-one. -on -one, he's not too bad. Okay. All right. Yeah. He'll, I'm sure he'll grow into that role too. Right. Once he gets more used to it. Right. Sure, sure. Um, all right. You got to pick one. You got one choice, right? You're going to get, you're in the way back machine and you get one choice to bring back to the giants for the 2024 season. Prime Tiki Barber or prime Michael Strahan. Oh boy! I know my answer. Yeah, I know Michael, my answer. gotta bring back Michael. Defense, baby. Defense wins championships. And Michael, you know, no disrespect to Tiki. I, Tiki is terrific, and I've I've had you know I, I got chances to talk to him and and whatnot. But Michael just had that it factor. Just, yeah. When he spoke, he was like E. F. Hutton when he spoke. You listen, and it didn't matter if you were media or a teammate. When Michael spoke, he you listen. And I have a funny Michael story. If, if we have time, I'll tell you a really funny story about Michael. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, the floor is yours. So, so um, back in the days when we were in the old stadium, the, you had the locker room, and then off to the, to the corner, there was um, this, like, player's lounge, which was basically it was like a oversized closet the way it was. I mean, the old stadium <laughs> – the, the aesthetics were, were not very good for the players. It wasn't really, you know, homey like, like the new facility is. So anyhow, <clears throat> I had wanted to interview Michael. And for whatever the reason, they the PR staff couldn't arrange it. So somehow Michael's now ex-wife, Jean, had found out that I wanted to talk to him. And Jean knew me. She, I had met her a couple times and she liked me. And she goes, what do you mean you can't get to him? She goes, I'm going to say something. And I'm like, no, 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 Gene, don't. I'll, I'll work it out with PR. No, no, I'm going to say something to him. Well, she said something to him. So he <laughs> said, so he found me in the locker room one day. He says, I like you. He says, if you need me, you tell me when, and I'll sit with you. So I said, okay, I'll take you up on that. So I, I, I said, how about we sit down on a Thursday? I think it was a Thursday we sat down. So he said, okay, fine. After practice, they finished their day around four o'clock. So after practice, we go into that back room, that yeah. closet. And Strahan must have had a bad day that day because he comes in. He's late. You know, he's 405. He comes in. He's looking at his watch. He goes, you've got 10 minutes. And he sits down and he's in a huff. And I'm like sitting there going, what the hell did I do? You know, why are you mad at me? So I kept my cool. I asked my questions. I started, you know, going through my interview. Ten minutes, and I'm I'm watching my keeping an eye on my watch because I'm like, okay, you're giving me 10 minutes. I'll fine. I'll keep it to 10 minutes. Finally, he's in the middle, you know, I could see he's starting to relax. He's starting to get more at ease. And the 10 minutes ends. And I held up my hand at 10 minutes. I said, Thank you. I said, Michael, I appreciate your time. My 10 minutes is up. So I go to stand up to leave. And he looks at me, he goes, what are you talking about? I said, you told me I have 10 minutes. I've used up my 10 minutes and I'm not going to keep you much longer. I'm sure you want to get home and I'm going to go home as well. And I thank you for your time. So he says to me, sit your ass back down. We're not done yet. We ended up talking for another, I want to say, how long did we talk for another, at least another half hour? 
And awesome. by the time it was all done, he was laughing. He was this jovial type. And I never forgot that. And we were talking about, uh, I think OC uh, had been drafted that year. And he was talking about how proud he was of OC and how OC was such a good student and how OC was going to break his sack record one day. We had such a great conversation. And yeah. from that day forward, it was like, whenever I needed to talk to Michael, all I had to do was just leave either leave a, a note on his stool or say something. I, and, and I, I got him and he was tremendous. And, you know, now when he comes back to visit the facility, I never take it. I never assume that guys remember me. I'll always be like, Hey, how you doing? Do you remember me? Patty T, how are you? Get over here. Give me a hug. You know, so, kind of cool. That is, that is very cool. And it's funny because my, you, the last question I had was your favorite Super Bowl and you already answered it. So we, uh, we, we filled it in with, that was a great, that's a great story. That's awesome. I, love oh, yeah. I, I, I have, I have so many of them that make me smile when I'm having a bad day. I think of those good ones, yeah. you know, the funny stories, you know, the, 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 I mean, there's just so much. And, you know, I, my husband's like, Gosh, you can write a book with all the stories that you have. And I'm like, well, I did write a book. You can see the title behind me. Yes. A historical book. But, you know, the, the personal stuff, you know, I don't really share that as often because it's like, you know, I figure who cares about that stuff. But every once in a while, I will pull out no. one of those things just to share them. So, uh, no, listen, we're, well, I'll have, if you're, if you're game, we'll have you back, you know, um, so after the draft, maybe towards spring, because at that point, I'll tell you how I got lost in the opening of Lincoln Financial Field with Archie Manning and his wife. Oh, that's better than when I got lost and I got harassed by Eagle fans. Oh, no, that was, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that was scary. I have to yeah. tell you. I, I literally got the the lights were off, me and my friend. And um, what's what's Arch, uh, what's his wife's name? It starts with an M. Olivia? Olivia, that's it. Also, yeah, Olivia Manning and and Archie Manning got lost. We were the last four people out of the entire stadium. It was it was like an hour of of me and my friend dropping back and forth, talking to Olivia and and Archie, asking all these questions, and then oh, and then oh, it was incredible. It was incredible, and then and then the story ends with we finally figure out how to get to the players' lot, and the guy lets us in. I'm banging on the door and the guy goes, Oh, Mr. Manning, come on in. And he lets Olivia in and Archie in and he closes the door on our in our face. And, and 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 Archie goes, Excuse me, young man, they're with me. And he's like, Oh, I'm so sorry. And then he escorts us in there and he and he winks at me and he goes, You guys okay? We're like, That was great. That was great, Mr. Manning. That was great. Just you know, some people don't care, but they're they're always a couple handful of stories like that are personal that mean a lot. They they, they really are. I mean, I, I have a whole slew of them. Some of them, you know, I'll never tell. Some of them, I'll, I'm happy to share. <laughs> um, but you know, that's what it's all about. And and you know, people say to me, "What's the best part of your job?" And as corny as this is going to sound, it's getting to know these guys on a you know on a person to person level because they are people like you and me at the end of the day, yeah. you know, they've got their issues. They've got their, their likes, their dislikes. Um, and, and when you, for me, and I, I, I real quick, and I, I'm sorry I'm, if I'm taking up too much time here uh -huh. when Sterling Shepard, uh, he, he's a perfect example. He came in as a rookie. I think I was the first person in the New York media to interview him and we formed a bond right away. And I always loved Shep. I always thought he was, you know, a good kid. 
Um, I was glad, you know, that he to, to watch him mature, become a husband, a father, um, become a veteran teammate. And when he, he had his last game, you know, I'm a hugger. I will. I'm not afraid to hug guys. You know, I, and, and I, you know, some people will frown on that, but that that's just you know, th there's that warmth. You know. Yeah. So and and plus, I'm I'm old enough to be their mother. So let's let's. Talk. <laughs> I know I don't look this, but, but trust me, I am. But anyway, Shep saw me. You know, after he he was holding court, he saw me and he came over, gave me a big hug, and I said to him. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of the man you've become. It's been a pleasure watching you grow up and mature. And I said, you've really made me proud for what it's worth. And he just, I, I swear there was a tear coming out of his eye. There had a little tiny tear coming out of the eye. And he, just, awesome. and he just, you know, thank you. And I didn't see him the next day for baggy day because he had packed up and, and left. But it was just, you know, that's what I, what it's all about for me. When guys remember me, um, you know, to, to, when I go back and I say, Hey, do you remember this? Um, you know, it, it, it's just, I've got a million of those and I won't, you know, I won't take up more. Well, well, I understand. Well, we, we'll bring you back. We'll talk about more. Now we, now we need some, now we need some winning, right? We've gone through, yeah. we've been holding on to all the stories because there's been nothing good to talk about for so long. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, the, the, it's great. And that's the best part of my job is, is getting to know the people. Because that's what it's what it's all about at the end of the day, you know, and not just the players, but fans, you know, like yourselves. Um, you know, I know some media members don't want want much to do with fans, but I think the fans, you guys drive me. And I, when I say you guys, I mean the fans. So it's like, yeah. you want to hear about the salary cap? Fine, I'll do a story on the salary cap. You want my opinion on this? I'll give you my opinion on this. You want a story on this yep. player? I'll do my best to do it. So I. You know, you you hear the the, the term the uh, man of the people. I'm not a man, but woman of the people. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Listen, we we've been I've been doing this podcast for for five years. We used to do it for USA Today. You know, we have the website, and it's all it's been about is is trying to do something different than they normally get. So we've gone into interviewing all these guys, and they're always like. I'm like, look, it's not about tackles. It's not going to be about balls you dropped. I'm like, we'll have some fun. We'll ask some football questions. And the guys always come back, right? Like they always come back and they're like, Craig, I'll, sure. I mean, we've gotten really, yeah, we've gotten friendly with a handful of them. I mean, listen, Chase Blackburn and I, like, we'll talk two, three times a year. Like, you know what I mean? Just be like, hey, you know, are you having the golf outing? What's going on there? Or just, you know, it's, it's, uh, we try to at least give the fans something different, you know? And uh, we well we and we appreciate we know you don't want to hang out with us all night long, um, so we'll try to uh, if it's okay with you we'll circle back with you before camp starts up and we'll get you uh, we'll get you back on if that's okay. It's fine with me if it's fine with you guys and your audience. Oh. Yeah, Hands down. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, like listen, that I will always say the 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 audience we have at Rush is pretty cool. They're not they're not vicious and they're they're fans. I mean, we've we've gotten really like we call it the Rush family. Like, so the they love this. In fact, if you want to know the truth, I, I usually between the the media members, I get more people on a show. There's, you know, the only interview I ever did that had more interview than the media was was Kurt Warner and Dan Orlovsky are the only the two ones up that would that did really well in a short period of time. They love you guys. 
They want to hear from from you and Paul and Dunleavy, and they want to hear from all you guys. So, yeah, of course we'll have you back. All right. Well, we'll have to set a date. All right. Well, th uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Big group, by the way. I can't, I know I didn't get to half of your comments. There's a lot of them, but shout out to Bookend Tackles, Kevin, G-Men, Mark. There's another Craig in there, which is pretty cool. I don't really see many of those. Uh, Steve, Kevin, see all you guys. You guys have a great night. We'll see you next Monday. It's truth, what's Rush Hour doing this week? Uh, I believe we're going to be covering the line. The offensive tackle. Right, so, so make sure you tune in for Spartan Mike and, and, and Truth are going to be covering the O-line on Rush Hour. And we'll see you guys next Monday. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>